obviously you know you could go and find a lot of content on on yc on youtube and you know these other platforms but when it comes to local context regional context those little details that are super important uh, for a founder building in the middle east and north africa to to realize those are missing that's that's not out there and i think uh, it's it's super important for investors and founders to share these things Thanks for joining us today. We've got a very special episode for you today. We're chatting with Zubair Naeem Parasha from Minabytes. Zubair has been covering the startup ecosystem for over four years now and has built a solid reputation for being one of the very few go-to platforms for everything related to our space. Um, Zubair, why don't you kick us off by telling us a bit more about yourself and then we'll dive into the Minabytes story. Sure. Thank you, Stephanie, for having me. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, My name is Zubair. I built Mina Bytes over four years ago. Uh, started it as a part-time thing. I'm originally from Pakistan. Lived almost all my life in Saudi. Uh, did my undergrad from Pakistan. Went back to Saudi. Started a job in HR. Uh, worked there for about five, six years, and then moved back to Pakistan about uh, two years ago. And have been uh, working on Mina Bytes full time um, since then. So maybe like start us off with, um, you know, also really excited to have you because I think it's a good chance for us to turn the tables where you're usually the one asking the questions. But this is going to be fun. Um, but I think to start off with that, like what, what got you, what was the kind of impetus? What was the reason to start Minabytes? What, drove, what, what, what clicked in your head that day and you said, I want to start something while you had a you know, regular kind of corporate job in, in Saudi? Right. So um, in 2015, 2016, I was actually trying to break into tech. Um, I wanted to have a career in, in tech, not uh, like a product management career or uh, a software developer career, just anything in, in a technology company, in a technology startup. The reason for that was that before my undergrad, I used to have, you know, a small network of websites that I built myself. I mean, I did not code them or anything, but there were tools available even back back in those days that you could use to create small websites. And uh, I used to make, you know, a decent amount of money back then uh, from those websites uh, before starting my undergrad. Now, when I started my undergrad, I left all those things. You know, I, I, I wanted to focus completely on that. And there were some issues also with, with the websites. So it sort of, you know, uh, it, it, uh, The website sort of died. I stopped maintaining them, and you know the money stopped coming. In and when I moved back to Saudi in in 2012, I uh, started with a regular HR job, and uh, I did that for like uh, two years, three years, and you know then um, I I started having that itch again. You know I wanted to get into tech. So what I did, I started applying for roles at different companies that were hiring in Saudi. This was the time when Kareem had raised its uh, Series B, if I remember correctly, which was uh, led by Abraj and uh, Altayar, which is now known as Sira. I think Wamda was also part of the round and uh, Beko as well. So, so uh, Kareem was hiring aggressively. I applied at Kareem. I applied at uh, Uber. I applied at sub companies that were. Uh, headquartered somewhere else, uh, but were hiring for uh, Middle Eastern roles that were supposed to be based out of their European headquarters, regional headquarters in Europe, which was Booking.com and and a few others. I landed a few interviews. 
uh, only Kareem offered me a role and the role uh, that was offered was in their fleet management. I was, uh, I mean, I was happy with the role. Uh, it, it was not a problem. I could have, you know, done that. So they offered me that role. I was interviewed by uh, one of their uh, assistant GMs and uh, one of the co-founders, Abdullah Elias. When we got, uh, I mean, when the conversation, uh, when I started asking about the salary, I mean, when conversation reached there, uh, Abdullah told me that I'll have to take, you know, a 50% cut on what I was making back then. I did, ha I did not have the privilege to actually, you know, uh, do that. So I, I passed and uh, there were no details about uh, options. So I passed it and, you know, after that, I was like, uh, I got upset, you know, uh, and uh, I was like, maybe this is not working out. So I had been postponing uh, building something of my own because uh, I was like, I need to, you know, um, go start for a company, you know, for, for a technology startup, learn from there and then maybe, you know, build something. But I was like, okay, you know, screw this. I'll, I'll just uh, start doing it. And one of the reasons I was not doing it was also because I did not have enough cash. So it's like, what I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hire, uh, freelancers and I'll arrange, uh, payments with them in a way that I can, uh, afford to pay them from my salary in installments on a monthly basis. And I did that. So what I, uh, what I went out to build was, uh, a tech talent platform. The idea was to connect uh, uh, engineers, digital marketing experts, and you know uh, other uh, people who are needed by technology startups uh, to them, but reverse the roles of marketplace. So instead of you know people applying to companies, companies would apply to 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 the, to the top talent that you would uh, sort of screen and all. Hired was doing this in the U.S. and that was the inspiration but it was perhaps too early for middle east anyway so i started building this and while this was being built i had uh, a developer and uh, a designer working on it after uh, my day job i would have uh, three four hours uh, every evening that i could use uh, for something i was uh, i was actually uh, speaking to these guys on a regular basis the, the the engineer and the designer but i still had some time so i was like what i'll do is I'll start a blog. I had done um, a few blogs, uh, I mean, uh, in 2007, 2008. So I, I knew how to, you know, use WordPress. It was super easy. So I started uh, a blog with the idea that uh, it will help me uh, get into the ecosystem. Plus, it will be good for SEO. And there, are, there were going to be two main sides of the marketplace, the talent marketplace that I was building technology startups and tech talent. If I start writing about technology startups, I'll be able to reach, you know, both these, uh, uh, both these audience, both the technology startups and the tech talent, because both of them would come read on the blog and, uh, you know, it will help me build some momentum before I launch. So I did that. Uh, the, the platform was called Karar. So, uh, the, the Arabic word decision. So the, the blog was on this domain. And I started writing, uh, you know, whatever I could find. I started reaching out to people, started writing about startups. And uh, it just, you know, uh, it, it did quite well during the first four months. One of the most viral uh, pieces uh, in the first four months was an infographic uh, that I did on Kareem, how Kareem started. It had their journey from uh, the beginning to, I think, the point where they had launched in uh, 
50 plus cities or something uh, back then. Uh, I don't remember the exact number. So it, it started doing well. And then, you know, I was like, okay, maybe, you know, this is the time I move it to a new brand and, you know, I, I spin it out. And uh, that's when I called it uh, Mina Bytes. So that's how Mina Bytes was born. Yeah, I remember that infographic. Oh, yeah. you do? Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a classic. And I think since then, I mean, the platform has really grown. I mean, it's the um, go-to place for... Um, you know, news, uh, I mean, there are, there are a few of them, but like, uh, Mina Bytes definitely is, you know, at the forefront of, uh, of, of where to get kind of startup news. And it's become like the, you know, the place you go to, um, what's interesting about your platform, I think, compared to some of the others, um, uh, is, and I, I want, like, it'd be interesting to get into that a bit is, is you some, you have an edge to you in the sense that you, you know, when you ask your questions, it's not just all, you know, happy news. It's not just all fawning. There's always, you always take a somewhat of a, you know, a, what you would call like a journalistic view, right? To ask a difficult question to get to the bottom of the story. Is that something that, you know, I mean, comment on that generally. And then whether do you, is that what you set out to do at the beginning or, or, or do you agree with that view that this is, you know, the, how you conceive of Mina Bites? Uh, or not. And I would love to hear more about that. When I look at Mina Bytes uh, uh, as a product, there, uh, you know, the, the audience expects a certain things uh, from, from Mina Bytes uh, when they, when they come to read news on, on the platform. When, uh, so whenever I'm writing about the story, uh, how I'm thinking about it is the, the person who's reading the story should not have to go to a website of this particular startup to figure things out of what they're doing. Because when you look at press releases, uh, they are full of things that, you know, I mean, uh, startups praising themselves, uh, you know, yeah, numbers that, yes, exactly. Numbers that are out of context. So for example, even a courier company would, you know, talk about uh, GMV and, and things like that, that do not really make any sense. So whenever I'm writing uh, a piece, the i mean there are there are two three two three things that are super important one with news uh speed is super important uh you if you're not the first one if you're not you know publishing the news within one hour of uh you know uh it getting out you cannot uh, get any engagement uh because that's you know that that's the story that everybody is going to share regardless of how poor you know uh uh, a piece of story is that is the story that is going to be shared uh, so speed is super important the second thing is obviously accuracy you don't want to compromise on that just because you're looking at uh, speed you don't want to you know put out something that is completely a uh, false so for example today if somebody wants to get you know a story of a fake startup uh, get published it's very easy you know send a press release and uh, it would get published somewhere and this this just keeps happening not fake startups, but fake funding rounds. They right. have. <laughs> why, yeah. why don't we do that? Why don't Someone we do that? Someone should try that. Uh, no, it is happening already. I mean, there. So I, I won't name the the outlets or you know the 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 people who have actually published such stories, but it has happened. And to be honest, I don't blame them. In the Middle East and North Africa, there's not a single uh, media outlet that's focused on startups and does well, including Mina Bytes. Mina Bytes is also, you know, I, I don't think it has, uh, it has done as well as it should have, uh, it, which is mainly due to lack of resources. 
but uh, so so to answer your question and uh, you know to sum it up whenever i'm writing a story the idea is to make it useful for the readers my objective is not to please the founders or the vcs uh, or you know anyone else involved my objective is that the readers should be able to get able to uh, get maximum value out of you know uh, the piece that they're coming to read on minabytes uh, having said that we don't do that with with every story that gets published on minabytes in in some cases you have to compromise on on quality because of you know uh getting the story out as quickly as possible but i do my best you know wherever i can and does this uh, questioning I, i mean the way to put it probably is like you're you're a bit more questioning than some of the other outlets you ask you know you don't you don't kind of just take the press release and run with it has that gotten you into trouble before i mean do you get into kind of confrontational situations with either founders or vcs who want a certain narrative and then it skews from that or or have you not really gotten much much pushback so in in some cases yes you know uh, i i never uh, have you know received any sort of uh, um, i mean i've i've never involved myself in any confrontation just because i've asked questions but yes when when you for example so uh, I'll, i'll share you know a few examples uh, if for example a story mentions competitors this does not sit well with some of the founders which is crazy i mean i if if your yeah. competitors are being mentioned in a story where uh, the focus fact. is yeah. yes where where the focus is entirely on you and you know there is this one small paragraph perhaps two lines where you know you're you're talking about the 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 competitors in the space uh, and uh, that the, if that doesn't sit well with you i'm not sure you know how you're going to run uh, take take this company forward so that is one of the things that doesn't sit well with founders and second you know a lot of founders actually assume that whatever they are going to send it is going to be published as it yeah. is that's yeah. not the case i mean if you are and you know that 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 misconception actually comes from the fact that some platforms uh, i wouldn't call them news outlets some platforms do that they do publish press releases as they are but then you do, you know they they're like pr newswire or they are uh similar type of things they they're not uh, media outlets and uh, that is one of the things you know that which which makes it difficult sometimes to 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 speak to founders so for example I I remember this one instance where you know uh, a founder had sent a press release and we ran the story and you know we obviously did not publish the press release and the founder responded uh, you know uh, after the story was published they they came back to me and they were like uh, what you have published is completely different uh, we sent you you know a press release you should have published that I was like no that, that's not how it works and I had I took my time to explain to that founder and you know he he then realized that uh, he he obviously apologized as, as well that he was not aware of this but uh, yes I think uh, it it has also a lot to do with the founders not educating themselves uh, yeah. when it comes to uh, engaging with the uh, media outlets it does not take a lot of time uh to to actually you know educate yourself some of the founders are very thoughtful they you know take their time to craft their pitch they would be a uh, very polite very you know understanding in how things are being done but you know on the other side you you also have 
a lot of people who are very entitled yeah. uh, just because mm-hmm. they they have launched something they feel that it needs to be uh, covered by every yeah. single outlet on earth so you you, you have both you have you yeah. you you've every type of uh, founder one, uh, in the one other thing like re- related to this to ask you is like do you feel um, one thing we see is that there aren't enough stories or articles or investigative type of journalism done on when things go uh, bad which they obviously they do i mean it's just the nature of like Uh, startup ecosystem but across kind of business news not just startup news but across the business news there's this very strong aversion to digging into what when things go bad across the spectrum is is that something that you've tried to kind of work on and do you see that you know a lot of news outlets business outlets journalists like avoid um, anything investigative or or not just investigative but anything where you know an analysis of why you know company failed or why this didn't work etc right so uh, i i wouldn't say i've done that uh, i've done that well uh, i have tried multiple times over the last 4 years uh, but i haven't uh, i mean I've, i've not been successful at it uh, there are a few stories that i've done that i can recall avoc was one and then uh, there were a few others I really wanted to do Fetcher uh after you know they they raised uh their uh 10 million in in that emergency financing round to to save the company but uh you know when you reach out to people involved uh, a lot of them you know would would not be willing to speak even off the record um, and I think that has a lot to do with you know so a uh, vc is obviously would not speak at all i've i've tried that multiple times and you know you would you would not be able to get any comments from uh, vcs about any companies that they have had in the past on you know what what went wrong or uh, or anything uh, to do with that uh, in in many cases employees are also not willing to speak um, and that was that that is the case with most of the companies that you know employees won't come forward and and talk about what went wrong but most importantly the founders are not willing to share anything about you know what what went wrong at all and i think uh, uh that, that's not that's not the right thing if you are building a startup i feel that it is your responsibility to share uh, at least the lessons if you've not been able to do well obviously you know a, a founder could argue that they've been through a lot and uh, which is which is obviously right uh, if you know you've tried you've given uh 6 to 10 years of your life uh to building uh, a venture that uh, you know did not do as well as you would have uh, expected mm-hmm. then you're obviously exhausted you're tired you don't want to talk about it but i think uh uh it is super important that you do that for the uh, ecosystem and uh, i think uh, a lot of this has also to do with the fact that uh we don't have uh, journalists actually working on uh, on tech stories in the region i don't call myself a journalist i'm i'm somebody who enjoys writing about startup but i don't have any background in journalism i probably don't do anything i don't know anything about uh, journalism i i i just you know uh, i mean it it just happened to be the case that i i started mina bites and i learned few things while i was building it but uh, i'm i'm obviously not a journalist when you look at the can the information uh and some of the other outlets that cover these stories in the west or in southeast asia 
they have you know people who have been doing this for like uh, years and they 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 they're proper journalists they know how to go about it and i think we don't we don't have that in the middle east because uh, um you cannot make money while while being a journalist not enough money um, even you know to cover your day to day expenses uh, for especially if you're covering uh, startups uh, in the region but as the ecosystem grows i think uh, uh, somebody will start the ken or the information of the middle east and it would do really well yeah uh, yeah i agree i think i agree with you i feel like um so two things i feel like you know when when you started i think if you if you take a if you look back at it now i feel like since mina bites has started there's been more platforms that kind of have launched or entities that have launched um media arms to cover the space and i think some of the some of them do it better than others um but you're right i feel like um not everyone really i mean when we started when i started at least personally working in the space i realized that not everyone who was covering it truly understood the mechanism or the dynamics or what everything meant and i think it's taken a lot of time to kind of get there but also source the right talent and that has also impacted the you know founders on the receiving end because as you said um a number of them maybe don't expect to get um in-depth questions or expect that anything they'll do uh, you know will be publicized and published and i think that has kind of built this habit that uh you know everyone's trying to change now but having said that i i feel like minabytes has had a tangible impact um on the space i was wondering if you sort of felt that you know when you you started you probably you're saying it earlier you probably you know faced some pushback against some of the questions that you would ask but have you felt that the response from founders or from vcs has changed at all do you feel like they're more willing to entertain some questions or to talk about maybe some of the less positive aspects of their journey so if if i were to compare you know um 2021 with with 2017 i mean um a lot of things have changed uh but i don't think that you know this habit of uh, staying quiet talking about difficult things has has changed much i i wouldn't say that is the case uh if if you want to ask difficult questions you know the the founders are are not ready to answer in some cases i mean um when i used to do those uh, uh online sessions uh live talks on on mina bites uh, a lot of founders uh would not respond or would would say no uh because of the fact that you know they they could be asked uh some some difficult questions and even though they are interested in you know such opportunities they want to uh control the narrative uh, most of the times and i think that has not changed I sort of feel like for some companies or even maybe agencies that they're working with the usual prompt is we have an announcement we just want to you know that's when they think of kind of cultivating this relationship with media it's whenever they want to announce a round or something but is that what do you think of that and what do you think companies typically get wrong when they're building their relationship um you know or when they've tried building a relationship with you Right so uh, I think I mean as I mentioned earlier one of one of the things that you know uh, that I see as one one of the biggest uh, mistakes uh, is that uh, some of the founders they feel entitled 
to coverage or to anything whenever you know you are reaching out to a media outlet or you're trying to build a relationship uh, you have to keep in mind that you know you may or may not get covered by the outlet regardless of you know what the story is even if it is a funding round so during the last uh, few weeks i have been resisting to cover rounds where uh, the size of the investment is not disclosed where they say it's seven figure or six figure or they don't announce uh, the size at all and uh, some of the founders and even you know in in some cases uh, investors as well uh, they were not expecting you know th- this feedback and uh, they they obviously asked me questions i used to do that why have i stopped doing it and uh, uh you know th- this is perhaps not a good idea and all those things so i think the first thing that you have to realize that founders have to realize is that when you're uh getting in touch with a media outlet when you're trying to build a, a relationship you have to you know keep in mind that your story may or may not uh, get covered but i think the, the 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 best way to pitch a story is is obviously you know to to find relevance for the outlet for its readers and then find the right person on mina bikes yes most of the stuff is written by me but if you're reaching out to an outlet where there are multiple journalists you reach out to the right person but speaking of you know the other things that uh, some of the founders uh, um do wrong when when building their relationship uh, with media is they i mean in some cases um they would not give access to the founders uh, the companies would not give access to the founders they would you know have the agency or you know somebody in their marketing uh, respond to the questions or deal with the the person who's who's writing the piece i think uh, that's in i mean in most cases i don't think that's that's a good idea especially if you're an early stage startup if you're an early stage startup i think the founder i i i i understand that they're very busy they you know uh, this is you know one of uh, uh, this this is not one of their priorities but i think they should still find uh, uh, they should still be able to find time to actually you know speak to uh, media and sell their story as they would to investors and other stakeholders of the company so i think that's that's another common mistake uh, founders make third thing is uh, lying or you know not being honest when you're uh when especially when you're when you're asked questions but this is not the only case i have seen founders lie about the size of funding rounds which i eventually you know um figured out through some source or you know some some other method and and a few other things as well so i think that's obviously that's a strict no but that's I mean I shouldn't be I shouldn't be saying this that's obvious. So the, these are the few things that I can think of. So 2017 2021 from your perspective how you know how have you seen the space grow? So a lot has changed. I mean um it's 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 a completely different ecosystem um right now. I mean in terms of maturity uh in terms of uh you know some of the small failures that we've had uh some of the uh big exits uh interest from the west a, a lot has changed uh, i mean if in in 2017 if you were to think of uh, the companies that have done their uh, series b uh khalid would would have even you know or stephanie you would have uh, perhaps a, a better idea but i think you could uh, you could uh, there would be uh, I think a dozen companies who have done their uh, who had done their series B in, in 2017 and now you look at you know 
Egypt, Saudi, UAE, maybe, you know, Jordan as well. And, and you would find these companies that have uh, done this. And uh, then also from 2017 to 2021, uh, we've had that uh, Kareem exit that I think uh, was... Uh, one of the biggest events in uh, of the MENA startup ecosystem, if not the biggest. And uh, we've had uh, InstaShop and uh, uh, a few other uh, smaller exits as well. There are a lot of uh, repeat founders. Uh, the interest from uh, international large investors uh, is, you know, it, it, it's amazing. I mean, Property Finder, I think, was... Uh, one of the first to attract uh, a large PE to, to the Middle East, uh, a technology startup, um, General Atlantic, with their $120 million round. I think that was in 2018 or 19. And now we've got SoftBank, we've got uh, Sequoia investing, you know, in a, in, a, uh, in a seed stage company in Egypt. I still remember when, you know, Swivel raised its $8 million I think that was your Series A, perhaps, or 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 yeah, it, it was it was a really it was a really big deal. And now, if you look at Egypt, I mean, in the last four or five months, there are at least twelve companies that have raised over ten million dollar. With you know, Maxab raising forty million, Trella thirty in equity, twelve in debt, and uh, uh, you know, Paymob raising seventeen point five million, HomeSmart fifteen million. So you've got all these, you know. Companies, some of these obviously have taken their time to grow, but for example, Homesmart has grown uh, in in the last eighteen months to to a point where they've raised a fifteen million dollar Series A round. This, I think, uh, was unimaginable uh, uh, four years ago. I mean, I when Maxab raised its uh, seed round and the round that they called was their seed round. I'm not sure if it was seed or series A, but they called it a seed round. Uh, and it was, you know, the largest seed of the region, I think 6.2 million. And, uh, you know, uh, the conversation around that was, you know, how times have changed that an Egyptian startup is raising the largest seed round of the region. And now, you know, we have uh, even companies in Pakistan raising uh, over 5 million in a pre-seed. TAG did that recently, which is a new bank, which is building a new bank here. So, I mean, a lot has changed in terms of uh, fundraising. A lot has changed in terms of talent. You you have a lot of these people uh, at Kareem who are not only starting their companies, but are, are also helping, you know, build uh, some of the founders, their, their startups. So, yes, uh, I think a lot has changed in the four years. Yeah, and it's not just the round sizes. It's also, I mean, something that I think for you on Minabyte you can't disclose, or but it's also the companies yeah. are bigger, right? Like their the revenues are, lar- are larger, the user numbers are bigger. The tra- I mean, it's it's not just a function of because you hear this a lot about the dynamics of a bubble. It's just money flowing into the asset class. Well, there might be, might very well be like some bubble elements, but but there is something that's different. Also, is that these companies are. A, they're bigger, they have more traction than they ever have before, there are more of them. And then qualitatively, also, they have great founders. And, um, and, and interestingly, a lot of them have much better unit economics, uh, as in they tend to be, you know, closer to profitability or on, a, or on a path to profitability that's clearer than, you know, companies three, four years ago. So there's a big shift, I think. And I think you see that as well across uh, what you're alluding to and on the, the funding announcements. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't have, uh, you know, the, the exact idea of how big they are in, you know, in terms of revenue or uh, how, how big their business has grown because most of the founders are, like you said, Farid, are not willing to share these details publicly. But obviously, you know, um, you have, uh, uh, you have access to all these details. So, uh, uh, like you said, uh, I mean, obviously, if the investors are investing this kind of money, I, I don't think it's only because of, uh, of, of the fact that, uh, they just want to, you know, deploy the capital. Obviously, they're seeing companies that have grown big enough to be able to attract this kind of money. That's why the investors are, uh, investing the, uh, these, these huge amounts. Right. Uh, what, what do you think are the, you know, as you're, as an observer of the ecosystem's development, what do you think has changed in the local VC landscape and in terms of how they interact with the founders? Is it different? How is it evolving? I mean, clearly for us, we feel the market's competitive, but what are you seeing as a sort of neutral observer from the outside in terms of how the VC landscape has changed, the number of players, how that's evolved, etc.? Right. So uh, I think one thing that's pretty obvious and, you know, that uh, the, uh, the founders also keep mentioning uh, whenever I, I'm having these conversations with them uh, off the record conversations that are you know uh, usually to catch up and all uh, not not to write a story or anything uh, is that there are a lot more options to raise capital at almost every stage uh, than uh, there used to be uh, two three years ago so for example if you were uh, a startup in egypt five years ago who was uh, just starting uh, the only option uh, Three four years ago, the only option for you would be to you know go to go and apply for Flaxix Labs, and you would get you know maybe a ten thousand fifteen thousand dollar cash, and you know they would take uh, up to fifteen percent of your equity. That that cash would not you know get you anywhere. Um, I mean it's 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 uh, it's it's perhaps good for maybe you know two three months, and and that's about it. And you have to go and you know raise money again. So. Uh, it does not get you the momentum that you are are looking for as a startup founder. Now you have, you know, all these different avenues that you could go to and uh, raise money on on a deck. If you have a strong team and you know, if you're going after a big, big opportunity, you can go and raise, you know, a few million dollars uh, just on that. I mean, in, in some cases, yes, VCs would hesitate to, to invest. But in many cases, you know, uh, you have this opportunity to raise, you know, that kind of... Uh, that kind of capital so obviously that has uh, uh i mean in terms of uh, for, for for founders the ecosystem has obviously you know become uh uh i mean it has become really good but when it comes to to vcs i think uh, like you said it has become competitive i mean uh if if we go back uh if three four years uh and uh, if you know a startup is raising it uh um, a series A round or, or any round, uh, they would uh, find it difficult to, you know, uh, find a lead. And now in some cases, there are investors who are fighting to get win allocation on some cap tables. This was not the case uh, three, four years ago in the Middle yeah. East. Uh, uh, I mean, e even in some some really good companies, they would... Uh, mm -hmm they would have to spend time to actually, you know, close the round. Even if they have the lead, 
they would still you know uh, need a few months before they close the round and now you know we have uh, vcs uh, fighting to win allocation obviously that's not the case with every company but uh, this 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 the number of companies who are doing this just just keeps increasing so founders have more choices and you know they are now looking at uh, things other than just money uh, what is you know a, a vc bringing uh, to the table and i remember you know when uh, when uh, i had heard first about uh, you setting up nuva capital and we had this conversation around you know what exactly are you going to do different than you'd obviously mm-hmm. you know you knew that this was this is this 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 is going to be the case in in the future that obviously founders are not going to just accept capital uh, accept capital from just anyone i mean you have to differentiate yourself as a vc which is uh, now becoming the case if you are somebody who's just deploying capital and that's about it uh, i think it is going to be difficult for you to win deals in in the next 2 uh, 3 years and i think that that's one of the biggest changes that i see now in the ecosystem great yeah i think we feel it too so we're almost out of time um but i wanted to ask you ask you this so obviously the ecosystem has sort of diversified in the last 5 years and we're seeing startup activity across multiple industries do you see any sort of activity or progress in the content space because that's always been i feel like a bit of a tricky one but uh, it'd be interesting to see if you feel like there'll be more companies operating in that space uh, so you mentioned the information earlier which is also a favorite of mine do you do you feel like we'll sort of you know start seeing things at the same model here so to, to be honest i think um when it comes to you know um online media um i mean uh, let, let's just take example of you know a, a media outlet that covers uh, startups and venture capital from a region like middle east and north africa i don't think it can be a venture backed business it can be a business uh, it can be a good business it can make you good money but it cannot be a venture backed business you have to find you know other uh other ways to to make money out of it and i think one of the things that uh, you know i'd love to see going forward is uh, uh people uh, like yourself stephanie or khalid or you know other stakeholders of the ecosystem obviously you're doing your bit by you know uh, doing this podcast and uh, writing about different things on nuwa's uh, blog and you know and and the other things that you do but i think one thing that you know i'd i'd love to see going forward is you know people like uh people like you and other stakeholders of the ecosystem starting their substacks or you know newsletters to educate the ecosystem on different things the educational content is is not out there you know the oh, yes the the investigative pieces have to be done by you know uh somebody who's uh, independent somebody who's completely unbiased but uh for educational content i think vcs investors can play a big role unfortunately i don't see you know a lot of investors in the middle east investing in content but i think there are a lot of these uh, 50 million dollar funds 20 30 million dollar funds from saudi and uh uh you know uae and now even in egypt that uh have this responsibility of actually you know paying back to the ecosystem everybody talks about it but there are very few people who are doing it uh, 
all of us understand that you know you as investors you as vcs are are very busy uh, but i don't think uh, you know uh, that it takes a lot of money to hire one or two dedicated resources or you know have your analysts do do these things uh, um on an ongoing basis to to actually pay back to the ecosystem and i think uh, uh that's one thing that uh, vcs should do and when it comes to founders i think uh, the best way that they can pay back uh, to the ecosystem is by sharing the lessons that they have learned uh, nobody is going to you know uh build uh, copy your idea and build a billion dollar company uh, by you know f- following the exact steps that you have taken but sharing it uh, sharing what you have built uh, uh, in 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 public and you know uh, sharing the lessons that you've learned uh, by by building that i think it it's super important it and it's it's not only for paying back it helps you build your own you know brand and 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 credibility as well it can be a great uh, tool for attracting talent uh, to your company and you know there are a lot of other things but yes i think uh, unfortunately uh, neither vcs nor uh, founders uh, are are doing enough to to pay pay back uh, um, i mean um, as far as i can think uh, but i hope you know going forward we see more initiatives where both investors and startups are contributing to to build uh, Uh, the ecosystem so meaningful thought leadership content uh, and with that you sort of drive more transparency absolutely absolutely yeah no very interesting i think like there's a lot for all of us to kind of work on and help evolve like the state of kind of content more generally and and be a bit more open because you know as we build the ecosystem that gives us better opportunities to invest in you know better and better companies hopefully right Yeah exactly and I mean I think there there are a lot of things that uh first time founders still uh, don't understand obviously you know you could go and find a lot of content on on YC on YouTube and you know these other platforms but when it comes to local context regional context those little details that are super important uh for a founder building in the middle east and north africa to to realize those are missing that's that's not out there and I think uh it's it's super important for investors and founders to share these things not only uh you know when when they go and speak at conferences um i mean whenever we have that uh, uh after covid but also in form of written pieces in form of you know podcasts in form of videos and other things obviously they don't have to spend a lot of time their core job is to build companies and deploy capital they should do that but i think uh this should be one of the things that they should try to make time for yeah i fully agree i think it's it's always yeah. kind of quite insightful whenever you know people open up well great zubair uh thank you so much for your time this was this is really interesting i'm glad we finally made it happen thank you thanks a lot stephanie thank you for having me thank you khalid